Amen. Can I get the lights, please? God bless everyone. How's everyone doing? Good. All right. Praise God. Why don't we uh, get right into it and open our Bibles this afternoon in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. We're still um, talking about one under one. And this will be the last Sunday, but it's been amazing. I just kind of want to recap a few things and then uh, and then focus on some things today. So if you can say amen when you have Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Amen? All right, we'll wait. It's okay. Somebody play the Jeopardy song, please? No, I'm just kidding. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to be reading from verse 11 to verse 16. Are you there? All right, let's let's read it. It says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ." That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Amen? Let us pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for everything that that you do for us, Lord. Thank you for leaving, Lord, such richness, Lord, for us to learn from, God, and that we be inspired by the Holy Spirit, Lord. Let it be life to us. Let it be real to us, God. Let it be truth, Father. We thank you, Lord, for this time and this moment and this service, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. So, you guys like the weather? Pretty good weather. Um, yeah, it, it's awesome. And we all wore kind of like our winter stuff, right? Um, which is pretty good. Um, so, I want to talk to you about this, this stuff we've been talking about for the last, uh, this will be our fourth week and our last week, so it's been a month. Uh, the first week we talked about some things that we may look at sometimes and think, man, like, you know, is that division between children of God just because maybe there's space between us? Um, and, and, and if you haven't uh, heard the messages, go on our podcast. Um, you can search under Grace and Love Church on SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, but we talked about that the first Sunday, you know, what, what sometimes we feel can look like division, but it's not. And then the second uh, week, we talked about what true unity is, and that was those amazing seven things that Paul laid out for us. It was uh, one body, one spirit, one Lord, one hope, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all. Oh, I remember them. That's good. (laughs) So um, those seven things that unite us as a body, right? And those are just those seven things. There's more things, obviously, but... Those are sort of the main ones. And if you pay attention to those seven things in there, you'll see that a lot of people have differences within those seven things. 
for example, one faith. Uh, a lot of people in the world, a lot of people that maybe don't believe necessarily like how we do, may feel like there's more than one faith that leads to God, right? But we know and we understand that there's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ, amen? He's the way, the truth, and the life, amen? And so we saw that, and then the third Sunday, we talked about real division, and how the enemy tries to twist the word and tries to get into the body of Christ. And he tries to make it seem like there's all these body parts. But in reality, there's one body. Amen. And we, the enemy will never, ever beat or defeat what Jesus sacrificed his life for. Amen. You believe that this afternoon? The enemy will never, ever, ever defeat what Jesus Christ gave his body up for. We have victory in what Jesus did. So today I want to talk to you about that victory and where we stand. A lot of times you'll hear many preachers and you'll hear many speakers. And, and by the way, be careful, you know, like don't do all of that, you know, like, you know, you just be careful. Be discerning. Amen. So uh, you'll hear a lot of times that people will say, you know, that the church has diminished. That the church has is asleep. That the church is, you know, not where it should be. But I don't see it that way personally. I see a vibrant church. I see a church that's, that's having revival. I see a church that's growing. I see a church in victory. I see a church that are more than conquerors. That's how God sees it. God sees a church in victory. He sees a church that is no longer bound by sin, that is no longer in darkness, that is no longer a slave in Egypt, but that that church is free now amen that church has crossed the red sea and is celebrating on the other side on top of that that church has crossed the jordan river and is now walking into the promised land there is a desert behind the church and there's promises ahead for the church do you believe that you have to believe that. You have to live that way. You can't live like we're still in the desert with Moses. You can't live there anymore. You can't even be with Joshua before the Jordan River. We have crossed the Red Sea. We have crossed the Jordan River. We are now in the promise. In victory. Now there was enemies in the promised land, but those enemies... Man, count them as defeated. Count them as done, dead, because that land belonged to the people of Israel. And the promises that God has for us belong to us, and those enemies will be defeated. The promises that God has for your life, what he's promised you, what he's told you that you should believe in, those will come to pass if you keep going forward because you are the church. The church of Jesus Christ. Amen. As you can see, I'm very passionate about this. I love this because sometimes, you know, you get caught up in what you listen to. And we think, man, like, like God is mad at the church right now. God is mad at the United States. There's judgment coming for the United States. That's what all the prophets are saying, right? But I say differently. I say that there's a church right now that is being risen up, that is going to bring revival, that is the salt and the light of this earth. And I don't believe, 
You got to think about Abraham. Think about Abraham when, when, when God was going to bring judgment to Sodom and Gomorrah. Think about that moment. Think about how Abraham said, Lord, if there's 50 righteous people there, will you not bring judgment? And then he told them, what about 40? And you know the story. He went down all the way to 10. And God said, all right, there's 10. I'll spare them. I'm seeing more than 10 this afternoon. We're not a huge church. We're a growing church, but I see more than 10 righteous people this afternoon. And if there's 10 of us here, there's millions of us across the world. And if we stand up for the truth, for the truth, as righteous people, as the righteous church, we will see victory. We will see victory. We will see people transform. We will see people come to Christ. We will see people come to the light because we have victory. Don't walk around like you're the church in defeat. That's not the church. The church is the church in victory. The church is a powerful church. The church is full of warriors. The church is in victory. We can't continue to walk around like the church is beat up. I'm sorry to say it this way, but we're not the ones that took the sacrifice. We're not the ones that got beat up. There was a person, a man by the name of Jesus, the Christ, the Savior, that took our punishment, that was beat up for us so that we would have victory. He didn't stay in the ground. He resurrected in victory. He resurrected in power. And you resurrected with him. And this is what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about how Jesus resurrects and he ascends into heaven and he gives these gifts to the church. He gives these gifts to the church so that the church would be equipped. These pastors, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Look, you've been called for something. Amen. You've been called for a purpose. You've been called to do something for God, to do something for Jesus. Look, it says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. You have been called for that work. Amen. You've been called for that work, for the edifying of the body of Christ. God not only gives you victory, he not only gives you salvation, he not only brings you to, to, to sit with him and reign with him, he continues to build you up. That's what edifying means. He continues to build you up and build you up and build you up to train you, to show you that he is real, to show you that you can do things through him. We are not defeated, amen? Let me get some water. Why don't you give God a hand while I get some water here? The edifying of the body of Christ. He wants us to come to such unity. I love how he says it. To such unity that we would be a perfect man. In verse 13. That we would be, that the church would be a perfect man here on earth. I was listening to this pastor. I love what he said. It, it, it was this morning. And uh, he said, I was like, wow, God, you, you planned this. 
He said, you know, I used to pray to God that my church would be like the church of Acts. You guys read the book of Acts or at least heard about it? You know, all these miracles, all these things happening, right? Man, God, I want a church like the church of Acts. That was his prayer. And one day as he's praying to God, that same prayer, you know how we just go after it, right? God said, you, you, have you read the book of Acts? And he was like, uh, uh, well, I'm a, pa- yeah, of course I've read the book of Acts. Lord, what do you mean? He's like, go and read it again. I love our dad. Isn't he awesome? Go and read it again. And he says he went. And, and in that time, the reason his prayer was, uh, uh, I want a church like the church of Acts, the beginning was because he was having a lot of issues in the church, a lot of problems in the church. And he was, his prayer was, I want a, a church like the book of Acts. They just, they didn't have any problems. You know, it was like powerful things happening. So he went to read and he saw that, that in the book of Acts, if you really look at it, God is doing amazing and powerful things. But it doesn't mean that were no issues. There was issues. There was problems. There was things happening. There was discrimination. The Jews didn't want the Gentiles to have Jesus. No, that was just for us, right? Like, not them. They're Gentiles. Come on. There's only two people in this world, Jews and Gentiles, right? That was their attitude. There was issues in the book of Acts. There was, you know, like everyone was selling their stuff and giving the money to the apostles. There was these one, this couple that said they would do that, and then they lied, and then they, they died. There was, there were situations happening in the book of Acts because, see, the church is not without problems. Amen? The church, the people, you know, us, we're not without our problems. But the thing about it is that in the middle of the problems, in the middle of situations, in the middle of whatever is going on around us, there is victory and there's power and there's people being saved and being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it says in the Bible, in the book of Acts, that every day, every day, people were coming to the Lord. You know, they walked around, and there was a man at the beautiful gate, a crippled. He had been there for 38 years. You don't think the apostles ever walked through there? But nothing had happened until the Holy Spirit came upon them. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we start to look at others with compassion and differently than how we used to. Amen? And they walked by him and they raised him up and they healed him in the name of Jesus Christ. The church had issues, it had problems, it had things happening, but God was central. And that's what, that's what this whole thing is about, that one under one. That's what it's all about, is us keeping our heads to heaven. Keeping our eyesight to heaven. Like there's all these things happening here on earth, but we are one body under one God and our, 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 our eyes, our, our look, our heart, our inspiration is from heaven. Everything is our resource, our, 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 just everything is from him. Amen? We are one under one. And he tells them, I want you to, to come to a unity so much so that you would be a perfect man to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we would measure up to Christ. 
when we look at the church sometimes with our, just our physical eyes, just what's going on around, we look at the church and we're, we'll, we say, we'll never measure up. Like, it looks impossible. Am I the only one? It looks impossible that we would ever measure up to Jesus. I've said it myself. Man, Lord, you're never going to come back with the church like this. It's so divided, so blah, blah, blah. Like, I talk so negatively about his church. Not my church. It's his. I'll get to that right now. We talk so negatively about it, but the truth is that when God sees the church, he's saying she's growing up to be to my measure and my stature. That's how he sees it. She's growing up. She's getting strong and stronger and stronger, not weaker. Amen? So we're going to be, as, as a church all over this world, which I believe is happening right now, we're going to be to the measure of Jesus and to the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're going to be able to measure up to Christ and stand at the fullness of Christ as a church. That's incredible. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Say amen, even if you don't. Just be like, amen, by faith. I believe it. Amen? It's by faith because you know what faith is? Faith faith is the evidence of things that are hoped for, right? What's your evidence? Your yes. Your, Your yes, your confident yes in the Lord is your evidence. You can say like one day, you know, uh, uh, one day, for example, me and Cynthia, our prayer is one day we're going to be parents, right? But my yes has to be today. It can't be when we already are parents. It has to be today, my yes. What's your evidence of the things that God has promised you? Your yes today. Your praise today, your worship today. You come to church, you're you're beat up, you don't know what's going to happen in your life, but you come and you're like, yes and amen for what you've promised me, Lord. That's what faith is. What's your evidence? Your yes, your amen today is your evidence. Have that confident yes and amen, Lord. You're going to do it, amen? We're going to measure up, it says. Why? So that we're not tossed to and fro. I used to live like that. Y'all know the story. Every, every minute of the day or every day it was like, oh, Lord, like, oh, I'm so condemned. Like, oh, I'm such a sinner, Lord. Like, how do you even love me, God? Like, oh, right? Like, I'm not going to go to church because, oh, man, the church is going to burn down if I go. And, like, we, we, we just... I was telling someone uh, that one time I was going through one of those moments, like those moments of like, I didn't feel good. I felt condemned. And I was like, I'm going to open the Bible because the word of God, of course. And God's going to speak to me through the word. So back then I didn't have the technology, right? So I had the, the actual book and I flipped it open just you know how you, I don't know if you've ever done that, Lord, speak to me. Right there. So I did that. I was at home. I was in, in the room. Cynthia was in the restroom, I believe, or I don't know, working or something. And I opened, Lord, please, God, speak to me. Lord, come on, God, speak to me. We think it's like the, the lottery almost, right? We're like, I opened the Bible. I put my finger. I've spoken to you so many times. 
You never listen to me. I'm never going to speak to you again because you don't listen. No, this, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it was like that. It was in, in Ezekiel or something. And I was like, oh, my God. You're never going to speak to me again. You've left me, Lord. Am I the only one maybe? Okay. Why? Because I didn't have, I didn't have foundation. I, I, didn't, I didn't have a solid foundation under me. So anything that came my way that didn't even make sense, it was out of context. Uh, it wasn't for me. It would move me and it would, you know, even like make me upset. And that's why it's important that we all come to be that perfect man, that the church would be that, and, and that we would be at his stature, and that we would, you know, get together. That's why Bible study is so important. That's why coming to church is so important, because we're all growing together, and we have the foundation. We have that rock-solid foundation. And even when we do feel a little shaky, that we would come and, some, and talk to someone, and someone would encourage us and pray for us. That's why it's important. That's why it says there, you know, that you should no longer be children. I was a child back then. I didn't understand the word of God. I didn't understand the entire gospel, the full God. Not that I get all of it now, but I didn't understand at least my salvation. I didn't understand my victory in God. I didn't understand his grace at all. I was a child. I was tossed to and fro. Somebody would get in the pulpit and say something and, and, oh, be careful. You're going to lose your salvation. I'd be like, oh, it's gone. I lost it. Where'd it go? I felt like that sometimes. Why? I didn't have foundation. I didn't have that solidness in God. It says tossed to and fro, like back and forth with every wind of doctrine. I've heard so many strange things in, in, in the body of God. Sometimes you just got to laugh it off. You, you know, someone said, hey, you know, make sure you got to take Holy Communion at least twice a day. Okay, if not, forget about it. Take it with your dinner. Take it with your breakfast. Not the devil's going to get you. I'm like, what? That's a symbol of what Jesus already did. Like, he, he died already. You get that, right? He resurrected, died. That's only a symbol, a remembrance of what he did. And sometimes you, you, if you're not solid, if you're not standing on the rock, somebody will say something and you think, yeah, yeah, I need to fast. 41 and a half days, you're right. I got to do, what? what? No, we got to be solid, amen? And what God and Jesus has done for us. All right. By the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of the, now, let me, let me make you aware of this. When it's talking about men tricking or, or, or faking or saying something, it's not talking about the men that are in the world. It's talking about in the church. Okay? Because, you know, if you hear stuff from the world, you're like, oh, no, that's a lie. Come on, please. But in the church or, or from a preacher, if you hear something, you might be like, oh, Really? That's why uh, Andrew was saying on Friday, he's like, you got to go to Jesus because he has all the answers. But when he when it says trickery of men, it's talking about in the church. It's saying in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. You guys know what deceit is? It's straight up lying. It's being deceived. Has anybody ever been deceived? 
And you don't realize it until, have I told that story about when I was deceived recently? Maybe not. Somebody from the IRS called me. <sighs> Caught me off guard. I hadn't had my coffee yet. I don't drink coffee, but I, some good to say, you know, just to feel good. <laughs> I hadn't had my coffee that morning. I was at work and the IRS called me. And they were like, yes, I have your file here, and uh, it's showing that you owe some money, and uh, if you don't send us this money, we're going to put a, you know, a warrant out for your arrest, and blah, 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 and like, like very professional, have your case number here, your social ends with uh, this, and this is your name, your address, and I'm just like, I'm going to jail. I'm like, wait, what? I, what? No, like, What? How, what do you mean? How much? Oh, you know, like 8,000. What? It just caught me for just a little while. I was scared. And then all of a sudden, you know, like I realized, like, he's like, no, just send me whatever at, towards the end. Yeah, just whatever you have right now. In the, how much you got? $500,000? I'm like, okay, no, this, come on. Like, send me whatever. Like, this is not, I caught on. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll send it right now. Hold on, okay? Whoa, but for a minute there, I got a little scared because I was deceived. See, deception, you don't really know what's happening. That's why you have to be alert. You have to know. Now, if I knew that the IRS never calls people, by the way, just so you know, if anyone calls you, they never call people. If I knew that, as soon as he would have said, hey, this is the IRS, click, they never call. Because I called Shirley because she works with that. And I said, hey, the IRS just called me saying that. And she's like, they never call. Okay, thanks. Well, I was deceived. But if I knew that, I would have never believed it. So that's why it's important that we know and we grow in God. Hello? So that when someone comes and says something weird, in regards to the word of God, in regards to the Bible, that you're like, no. Bye-bye, IRS. I don't think so. Bye-bye. That's why it's important to know. Because see, these men, I was, I was I'm going to say our 2015 or 2000 word, I was tripping when I was reading this. Because I read another verse from Paul. And Paul was talking about how he's always battled with stuff in Corinthians. And he said, you know, I went through suffering with, uh, they put me in jail, they, they whipped me, they, they, I suffered in the sea. You know, he, he got shipwrecked. Did you guys know that? He was shipwrecked. He was in a, in a boat, and he was shipwrecked. That's scary. The ocean alone is scary. Being in the middle of the ocean, and your boat sinks, and now you're like floating and you and this is Paul going to preach the gospel he's like I suffered shipwreck twice I I suffered in the desert I suffered here and I suffered there and then he says and I suffered because of false brethren and I was like oopa it's like oh no false brethren no lord that's not true I don't believe it I'm just kidding that's why we have to be centered in what God has done for us. That's what he wants. He wants us to be solid in him. Amen? All right, verse 15. We're towards the end here. This is awesome. I love this part. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things 
into him who is the head, Christ. Who's the head? Christ. Jesus is the head. Jesus Christ is the head. He's the head of the church. It's cool because I want you to look at the full picture here. First, he says, here are the apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And he says, they're to build you up. But they're to point you to somewhere, to the head, which is himself, which is Jesus Christ. He is the head. He's the, he's the one that sustains us. Amen? A body without the head, it's very difficult for it to function. We need all of it together, and it's so well connected. And it's our connection between heaven and earth. Yes, we're on earth, but we're in heaven because we sit in heavenly places with him. Who? The head, Christ, the head of the church. Amen? We are united with him. Just like marriage, right? Just like, well, like how marriage should be. Um, (laughs) The wife and the husband are one, the Bible says. They're united. Amen? The church and Jesus are united. There's no separation. That's why in the beginning I was telling you, we're not defeated. We're in victory. We We are shining bright. Why? Because the head is still connected to the body. How can the body, you know, be in darkness or, 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 or sick or defeated if the head is not? The head brings all the power, which is Jesus Christ, brings all the light, brings all the nurturing, brings, brings life, amen, to the body. So we are in victory because of who the head is, and that's Jesus Christ. Let no one else tell you any difference. Yes, Jesus is coming soon, and, and we believe that, Amen. He's coming soon for his church. But you know what? I'm not scared or worried. And we shouldn't be. I'm happy. Come. Come, Lord. Come. I'm rejoicing. Come, Lord. Come now, God. Today, please, God. No. But come, Lord. Come, God. Amen? Rejoicing that Jesus is coming soon. I used to, I said this, um, I think I said this, I don't know. But we used to say, like, Lord, like, you know, when I was a teenager, come, like, after I get married and have some children, please, like. You know, let me have some kids, Lord. But come, God. Verse 16 is what I just said. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself. Not only does Jesus is a resource for life, but right there it's saying you have a part in it too. You want harvest, you want growth, you have a part in it too. If everyone does, does its share, it will cause the body to grow for the edifying of itself. It's just like your own body, what you feed into it, right? It edifies you or it doesn't, okay? Drink lots of water, speaking of. Life. Water is so good. Just like that, the body of Jesus Christ edifies itself by doing stuff, by doing things for the kingdom. If you are not doing stuff for the Lord, then the body stops to grow, stops growing. 
All of us have a part in the body. Can you imagine in your own body if a part of it stopped? Because it's constantly active. Amen? Whether you are not active or you are, your body is still active. The heart is pumping. The lungs are, you know, compressing air in and out. Your body is active all the time. And if one part of it stops, it stops. And it's hurtful. It can be, depending on what stops, right? The same with the body of Christ. All of us doing our share, actively serving the Lord. And we will see growth not only in ourselves, but in others around us. We will see people come to Christ. And it will be the edifying of the body for itself in love. In love. Everything we do, in love. Amen? We, we, we serve in love. We, we worship because we're in love. We, we partner with each other and with the Holy Spirit because we're in love. Everything ultimately ends up being because of his love. So that's the church that is today. I don't believe in a defeated church. I don't believe in a church that is going to suffer judgment. I don't believe in a church that's unprotected. I don't believe in a church that's lifeless. I believe in a church that is victorious, that has life, that has revival, that has a river running through it, that is growing, that is fruitful, that is gifted, that is powerful. That's the church of Jesus Christ. Because we are one body under one God. And he loves us so much. He loves us so much. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He has promised to never leave us.